I see some of the classes sitting. Good morning. Do we have any Jet Li fans in the house? Jet Li is downstairs? Oh, the Jet Li fan is downstairs. Oh, I see. Yeah. I have, for nearly seven years now, been eagerly anticipating the opportunity to preach this text. Because there's a movie that came out in 2006 called Unleashed. Starring Jet Li. For those of you who don't know, Jet Li is uh, a martial arts action movie star. And uh, the premise of this movie is that, uh, I think we can get the slide uh, up here, Bob Hoskins up left uh, plays a gangster. And uh, he has raised Jet Li from birth, not from birth, from very young age, basically as a dog. He basically has raised Jet Li to function as his attack dog, as his pit bull. Uh, and so when Bob Hoskins has to go make the rounds and collect on the people who owe him money, when they don't have the money, then he will take Jet Li along and he'll go Jet Li on them. And then they have to give him the money. That's the, that's the premise of the movie. And, uh, you, I, I didn't want to mention this last week because all the kids were here. I don't know at what age you all want to introduce your, your kids to the wonders that are uh, Jet Li movies, but uh, uh, we, we were sort of holding, holding this until uh, this week. Now, what happens in the movie, is, as uh, we'll talk about, is that things change for him. But, but throughout the movie, Jet Li is wearing a collar. It's like, it is a dog collar. And this collar symbolizes the fact that he is the attack dog of Bob Hoskins. He's his, his property and he is uh, his uh, to do with as he sees fit. When he tells him to attack, he attacks. When he tells him not to, he doesn't. So when I first saw this movie, I was absolutely thrilled because I saw this as probably the best, and Ruth is shaking her head, as the best uh, depiction of Romans 6 that I have ever encountered. So let's get a running start on 6. We'll start at 5.12. Just listen to the text again as we get up to our text for today. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way death came to all men because all sinned, to be sure sin was in the world before Torah was given, but sin is not charged against anyone's account where there's no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam, who is a pattern of the one to come. But the gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace And the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many. Nor can the gift of God be compared with the result of one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation. But the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespass of the one man, 
death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all men, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all. For just as through the disobedience of the one man the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man the many will be made righteous. The law, Torah, was brought in so that the trespass might increase, but where sin increased, grace increased all the more. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Sin and grace, death and life, all coming through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so what then are we going to say, Paul says, in light of this? Are we going to go on sinning so that grace may increase? What a stupid idea. No, we're, we died to sin. So how can we live in it any longer? Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. And if we've been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who's died has been set free from sin. See, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he can't die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin. Reckon yourselves dead to sin. Think of yourselves as dead to sin. Understand that you are dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus Therefore, don't let sin reign in your mortal body that you obey its evil desires. Don't offer your members of your body to sin as tools of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. Offer every part of your body to him as a tool of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master, because you're not under Torah, you're under grace now. So what then, in light of this? Are we going to sin because we're not under law but under grace? Should we just go ahead and sin? Again, stupid idea. Don't you know, Paul says, that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, whether you're slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, You've come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You've been set free from sin and you have become slaves to righteousness. Now, I'm using an example from everyday life because you are all kind of stupid. I mean, because of your human limitations. Just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity, 
and to ever-increasing wickedness. So now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness, leading to holiness. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. And what benefit did you reap at that time from the things that you're now ashamed of? Those things result in death. But now that you have been set free from sin and become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness. And the result is eternal life. For at the end of the day, sin pays off in death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Don't you know, my brothers, I'm speaking now to those who know Torah, that Torah has authority over someone only as long as he lives? For example, by law, a married woman is bound to her husband as long as he's alive. But if her husband dies, she's released from the law that binds her to him. So then if she marries another man while her husband's still alive, obviously, that's adultery. But if her husband dies, she's released from that law. She's not an adulteress if she marries somebody else after her husband dies. Duh. So, my brothers, you also died to Torah through the body of Christ, that you might belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit for God. For when we were controlled by our flesh, sinful passions aroused by the law, were at work in us so that we bore fruit for death. But now, by dying to what once bound us, we have been set free from the law so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. Death to life, sin and grace, captivity to freedom, the old way and the new way. In the movie, Jet Li experiences this kind of a transformation as he, through a series of events involving a lot of dudes fighting, uh, ends up with Morgan Freeman, who in the movie plays a blind piano tuner, who is living with his stepdaughter, Carrie Condon, who his stepdaughter is a musician, a young music student. And Jet Li is welcomed into their family. He is given not only a place to live and food to eat, clothes to wear, but he is treated with dignity and he is treated with love and with respect. He is given a new, a different kind of life from the one he lived before when he lived in the equivalent of a cage and was forced to be the pit bull for his old boss. And so around halfway through the movie, you get this scene here, this powerful scene where Jet Li is visited by his the Morgan Freeman's stepdaughter who's talking to him about his new life. Can you guys play that clip? Teach it to you. You don't remember? No. 
Maybe in your other life. The one you had before us. No. Everything is new about you now. Your clothes, your hair, your whole life. This is the last thing that... I think it's time to put the last thing away. Don't you? new about you now. Now, I don't know if the person who wrote this script knew Paul. Watching the bonus materials, I see nothing to indicate that. And if he didn't, it makes me all the more impressed at what God is able to work out. Because when we hear her tell him that everything is new about him, of course, we think of 2 Corinthians 5, don't we? Where Paul says... Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, new creation, the old is gone and the new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and indeed gave us that ministry of reconciliation. Everything is new about you now, he says. And on his neck that once bore a collar, symbol of his bondage. She places her kiss, a chaste sister's kiss, I would note. Everything is new about you now. Everything is new about us now. Yet in so many ways, we know from the way that we live that we still have the habit of following the old ways. That really is, I think, what this passage of Romans is about. Paul's saying, look, there's the old way and there's the new way. There's what you used to be bound to and and what you're bound to now. You don't live according to the old way, according to your old masters. You're no longer under sin under grace. And the world the, the church has 
found it useful, and I know I have found it useful to speak of the world of the flesh and the devil as big categories, big buckets for the things that influence us to follow the old way, things that make us live as though we had that collar around our neck, even though we're free, that make us like the poor plant in the cover on the, of the bulletin, stay in a cell, even though it's unlocked. If it were not a plant, it could escape. It only goes so far. And speaking of that, you'll notice in chapter 7, Paul is mixing his metaphors. But what is old? The world, the flesh, and the devil is always trying to influence us to follow in the old ways. The world has cut deep ruts in the road that are very easy for our tires to drive in. It's set up habits of behavior that we're used to, that are comfortable, that work with the world around us. There's a whole environment that is structured in a way that is in opposition to God's good purposes, is in opposition to our own flourishing, even as it makes us think that that's what it's for. Our flesh, our sinful nature, desires to gratify its own passions. Whether we want to or we just think we want to, we're used to gratifying those things that we want or that at some point we wanted. And of course there is the devil, the enemy. And as Steve talked about a few weeks ago, the the fact is that uh, in, in a very real sense, Paul is talking about sin here in Romans as a malevolent, personal almost, force, as an active and industrious, destructive but clever power that seeks to lead us astray. We find ourselves always, when we look at our lives honestly, when we examine ourselves, we see so many ways that we live after the pattern of our old life, where we are taking cues from the world the flesh, and the devil. And the example Paul uses here, the picture he uses in chapter 7, is designed to illustrate just how absurd that is. He said it's as though you were married to somebody who's dead and then you stayed married to them. Just think about that for a second. Now again, not some of you occasionally that's been a hope. I remember Mary... Mary and I have said that uh, we've never contemplated divorce. Homicide, on the other hand. But no, if you're, you're married to somebody and that person dies, then you're liberated from every bond of marriage that you ever had. If you move out of the house and you close the mortgage out and sell it to somebody else, you don't keep sending checks to the old bank. And Paul says, when we live that way, when we follow the ways of the world, the flesh and the devil, then we're doing something that is exactly that absurd. 
We're living under an old system, an old covenant, an old relationship. We are living enslaved to an old master. That is not what God has in mind for us. What God has in mind for us is something that is far more dignified, far more human, far more grand, ultimately far more joyful. After all, we do these things, don't we, because we think they're going to be good for us. But as Paul says, what good does that that do you now? All those things you used to be ashamed of are no good for you. As I mentioned, this scene with Carrie Condon happens halfway through the movie. A whole lot of other people have to get kicked and punched and beaten and stabbed and stuff before the whole thing is over, because this is a Jet Li movie after all. But at the very end, we get this scene where Jet Li and Morgan Freeman are at Carrie Condon's recital. tie is a decided improvement over the leash it represents in this movie of course music being one of the ways in which Jet Li is brought from death to life it represents in a sense is being bound to something that is good for him that is healthy that brings life rather than death it's an elegant way of giving us a picture of what has happened and what this new life that he has looks like. The truth that Paul wants to make sure we get here is that we are unleashed. We are not responsible to follow the commands of an old master. If we are in a cell, it is only because we have not Embrace the fact that it is unlocked and we can walk out of it at any time. Joe Flacco is no longer taking his play calls from Cam Cameron. Can I get an amen? (laughs) We are unleashed. Because of that, we can live a new life. Let's pray. Lord God, we're grateful for the ways that you, in your wisdom and creativity, sometimes even quite against our will, bring your gospel. We're grateful for the ways in which, through movies and music, we're able to understand things about your word that we might not catch otherwise. I pray that we would be people who more and more live a new life, who learn to listen to your voice, not to that of the enemy, who learn to follow in your ways, not the ways of the world that we've learned, who 
learn to satisfy your purposes and not our own desires. Give us the grace also, manfully, like Jet Li, to battle vigorously and with impressive wire stunts against everything that comes against you. Lord, we are grateful that we are unleashed. We thank you for liberating us. In Christ's name, amen. Stands before the throne, my shirt.